We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Rotogrinders? Dean here at Dean78904. If you want to get te- all technical on me, we're going to be talking about some football, more specifically some best ball hot takes. And nobody gives the hotter takes out there than uh, Christopher Jamino. Jamino, what a, are we excited? Are we getting about talking about some football? Yeah, I might not be known for the hot takes overall, but I've definitely got some prepared for today. And you know me, Dean. I can get angry about just about anything when it's related to football and players I don't like. So I'm excited to talk about some of those guys today. You're just excited you don't have to talk about XFL players, let's be honest. And believe me, those were the players I got the angriest about. <laughs> Bringing in a one-time uh, FanDuel uh, champion, uh, Chris Brent. You guys know him better as Beer Makers fan. Beer, how we doing? Ready to talk some, uh, some football? Always, Dean. You know I'm ready to talk football. It's anything but COVID and hair and whatever else people want to, are talking about these days, how much they're drinking. So I'm ready to bring the fire, too. We're, nothing to do but look at football. We're not going to have any baseball. NBA is a, a month and a half away. Let's rip out some football here. I'm ready. All right. So this show uh, will be going uh, – we'll, we'll have a show periodically. I'm not exactly sure how long or how often we're going to have it. Maybe weekly. We'll see how this one goes. Uh, but, of course, you guys watch on CL YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe, and you'll be alerted. You'll know when they are uh, going down uh, you know, in the future. Uh, we're going to focus on five main topics, five main teams, essentially. The Tampa Bay offense, the Denver offense, Kansas City, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the, uh, the runner-ups in the Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, talking some best ball. But, Beer, I, I, I mentioned this before the show, and I figured – you know, I'm not, but to be clear, I'm just here to host a show. I don't play a ton of best ball beer. You play a ton. You're, you're in a lot of leagues right now. And sure, there's a lot of people out there listening to play, I'm sure, season-long fantasy, daily fantasy. Uh, what is the difference, for those that don't know, like what is best ball? How does it separate it? And uh, you know, how, does it, uh, how do you apply strategy when uh, it's a whole different game? To me, it's a, a great hybrid of, of season-long and DFS, essentially. And it, it's great for people that have a lot going on, don't have time to, to set lineups, do waivers, or do DFS lineups every Sunday. So basically what it is, you draft a team, and the system will automatically set your best lineup uh, each and every week. So uh, a lot of rosters are 18, 20 guys. Some go as deep as 28. just really depends on where you play, and that's very important. I, like anything else, DFS, season-long, knowing your scoring, knowing your settings, knowing how many roster spots you have. But uh, to me, it's all about upside in this game. And I think Jamino will agree with that is you're, you're really looking for ceiling, hitting home runs, especially if you're in any of these bigger contests, you know, the, the, the days of draft and the best ball championships, you're really after those spike weeks and players that you may ignore in a season long. You don't want to worry about, is this the week I want to start this guy or not? And you're always scratching your head. Basketball, you don't worry about that. You capture the three, four big weeks they're going to give you, and and you move on. So, again, I think it's a great hybrid of season long where you still get that draft element. You're not worried about salaries and things like that like you are in DFS. But at the same time, you get that DFS feeling of, you know, filling that lineup and really shooting for upside. Yeah, I imagine uh, Rob Appeal, a big fan of, uh, you know, best ball. You'd make a draft. You set it. You forget it. You're good to go. You can move on. Do you, know, you have anything to add on that as far as uh, are you looking? Because I've heard that before. You want guys at their peak weeks, but I would imagine you also need players that are, you know, consistently good that you can trust as well, too. So how do you uh, deal with that when it comes to, like, drafting your players? Yeah, simple. I want to try to focus on the players that are going to give me the best chance of that in terms of how I construct my rosters. Roster construction is everything for me. 
I want to pay up for running backs and build solid floor of backs early in my personal drafts. And then I want to build a huge pool of upside wide receivers in the mid to late rounds, guys that can take turns, you know, spiking their way into those four, you know, sometimes five wide receiver spots, depending on where you play, you know, and then I'm kind of holding off on the quarterback and the tight end so that I can afford all those expensive backs early on. Beer, uh, I'm looking at the line of construction uh, out here on the Roto-Runners page. Two to three quarterbacks you want, essentially four to six running backs, seven to ten receivers, two to three tight ends. Uh, is that more or less where you land as well? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on where you're playing. And when you have more roster spots, I think you can take more chances at some of the onesie positions, as we say, quarterbacks, tight ends, uh, kickers and defenses. You, you want a few of those. So uh, hopefully the sites have eliminated kickers for the most part, but there still are some out there. So I want to make sure – uh, that we cover that. But I agree with Jamino. It's really hammering running backs early and then just drafting a ton of wide receivers in the mid-range. And we know by now, if you've done any research for this season, you're going to hear it over and over. The wide receiver position is absolutely stacked this year. So it's not to say you can't take one early, but you really need to try to hammer down one of those workhorse running backs. The, the years go on. We're getting fewer and fewer of those guys. As we know, teams are going to more of a, a two and three running back committee in most places. So when you can grab one of those elite McCaffrey's Barkley's early in drafts and then come back and see what the board gives you, obviously don't go in and say, I'm drafting this, this, and this. I think that's a mistake. A lot of people make, you want to have a game plan, but be flexible in any draft you're in, let the draft come to you, but really nailing down one of those, those workhorse running backs. So important in that first round. Jamino, I'm curious, CMC, I'd assume is first, you have a a flag that you're planting as far as your definitive second pick, or you're just kind of mixing and uh, mixing and matching or from what I've seen out there is it's tricky figuring out who two, three or four is as far as that order. A little bit. I have Barkley pegged as second right now on Elliot number three. I think that you could make a case if you think the Dallas offense is going to be explosive and that Elliot commands more than his fair share of the touchdowns in that offense that he could be number two. However, you know, Barkley is just such an explosive athlete who just really had some injuries to deal with last year that I really do think that he's ultimately going to wind up uh, being the most versatile and most explosive back uh, in that Giants offense uh, to come in number two this season. That's why I'm drafting him second. All right. Under our topics at hand, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, their offense, God and the Goats. I'm not sure which one's which. Is, is uh, Brady the God and, and uh, Gronkowski? I'm, have you guys heard Tom Brady's playing for Tampa this year? Yes. You're aware of this? Breaking news, Dean. I appreciate you letting me know. <laughs> 42-year-old Tom Brady. Of course, Gronkowski came out of retirement. He he had to drop the, his WWE belt as well, too. Uh, so he's he's now ready to go with, with the Bucks. of course, to have that offense with all their tight ends, uh, Howard and Brait, uh, as well as um, bearing the, they're bearing the lead as far as Evans and Goodwin is, too. Goodwin. Chris Godwin. Why am I calling Godwin? Goodwin? That's Godwin know. and the GOAT. Chris oh, Godwin, Tom Brady. We're, we're God, not talking, oh, Godwin's talking, the GOAT. We're not talking Gronk here. Come on, Dean. Oh, man. Jamino, you're so angry. You're you the got one time for Gronk. We, we want to get into the real deal here with Tampa Bay. <laughs> well, open it up. What are your overall thoughts as far as Tampa? Uh, my overall thoughts is we need to pump the brakes on Tampa. I, I mean, you, you look at last season, some of the numbers that this offense put up with Jameis Winston, and I know you, you either love Jameis Winston or you hate him, but we're talking about 5,000 yards passing, which obviously led to big numbers for Chris Godwin, for Mike Evans. Well, now you bring in Tom Brady. My question is, do you, do you think this guy's a 5,000-yard passer at, at 42, 43 years old? My answer is no. I, I'm hammering the under on, on Tom Brady, and it's not to say – this offense can't be decent, but let's not forget this team had a defense that was coming on. I think defense is going to be very strong for them. They bring in another running back, which we will get to the running backs, I'm sure, for Tampa Bay here momentarily. They bring in Gronk. I don't see this team just going out and winging the ball over the field like they did with Jameis Winston and Tom Brady putting up 5,000 yards. So to me, it hurts the stock of Chris Godwin in best ball. It hurts the stock of Mike Evans in best ball, and somebody – will overdraft Rob Gronkowski in your draft. I promise you that just based on name value. So I am pumping the brakes on this Tampa Bay offense. I think they'll be solid. I don't think we're getting 5,000 yards through the air here. Jamino, 5,000 yards to Brady over under. I'll take the under on that one, Dean. Look, let's talk about identity. I think that's the number one thing to look at with Tampa Bay. We saw them run 11 personnel 64% of the time last season. 12 personnel just 23% of the time. We have already seen Bruce Arians come out and say they want to run 12 personnel, and that just makes perfect sense. You've got Gronk coming onto the team. You've got Cameron Bray. You've got O.J. Howard. You've got Austin Eau Claire. You've got a team with a quarterback 
who had one of the lower deep ball percentages of any quarterback in the league last year, 27th when he was on New England. You know, he did have a high raw volume of deep balls as a percentage of his throws, it was relatively low. So when you want to talk about this team changing their identity, I think you're going to want to see more of a run uh, based attack, uh, you know, more, I guess more balanced. You're not going to see Jameis Winston chucking it deep downfield all game long and all late game. Like we saw in recent years, they're also being more likely to be winning with Tom Brady. I think that will also affect some of the production of the wide receivers, not just Chris Godwin, no longer being in the slot where he ran 378 snaps last year, 50 receptions, 838 yards, five touchdowns, you know, Perriman and Mike Evans combined for 53 deep targets. This just for me is a situation where we're not going to see the same opportunity for these two outside wide receivers going 18th and 23rd overall. Uh, my hot take here is that Evans is one of the very worst best ball picks in the entire draft. I'd rather be taken wow. back to that area of the draft. All right. Uh, th- th- we asked for a hot take. We got a hot take. Uh, let- let's get specific as far as where Evans is at. I'm seeing he's 23rd overall, Jamino. So uh, Galladay 24th as far as receivers. Beckham at 27. Uh, Cooper at 28. Robinson 29. Right in front of him, uh, we got Godwin at 19. So you're, you're saying Godwin over Evans, and Evans is still getting picked too early? Yeah, and I – I do like Chris Godwin as a player more than Evans, but I, I don't really like either one of them for best ball drafts right now. Uh, I, it doesn't really fit the strategy that I would prefer to go with for best ball drafts. And quite frankly, I just can see some of these guys you can take in round four and round five having similar or better production than these guys anyway. All right. Uh, do you agree with that hot take there, Beer? I do. I, I, I completely agree. Godwin in, in a PPR season-long league I think is a much better play than he is uh, in, in a best ball league where you're really looking – those spike weeks in fact you can make the argument Mike Evans may have more spike weeks than Chris Godwin just with that upside uh, in the touchdown department but then you do have to factor in Gronk taking away some of those touchdowns from Mike Evans he's not the only show in town now you add a guy like Tyler Johnson who I think could come in and make an impact you bring in Keyshawn Vaughn who may steal some receptions out of the backfield so the pie gets bigger you take away because it is Tom Brady is a team that wants to run they invested in the offensive line early in this draft. They drafted Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. So I just don't think there's a big enough chunk of pie where last year it was all Godwin, all Evans, not much else. They didn't use O.J. Howard. They didn't use the running backs out of the backfield as pass catchers. Now you add to that pie and you shrink it by bringing in Brady, improving your defense, improving your running game. I just don't think those guys are worth a pick uh, in that first, second round range where they tend to go. So is there any value on this Tampa team? Maybe there's some value in picking, uh, throwing a dart at Howard, throwing a dart at Bray. A lot of people, of course, uh, soured in those guys last year because more times than not, they seem to have let us down. Gronk, who knows? You know, you don't really want to predict injury, but it seems like a guy that's more likely than other guys to get hurt, just sort of my, you know, guesstimate. He's older. He's had a history of injuries, obviously, as well. Jamino, find me somebody that there's a, actually a, a value on this Tampa Bay team. No, I'm going to be tilting every single Tampa Bay game when it comes to my best ball teams. I just, I, I just looked at Gronk's ADP. I almost fell on the floor. Are you seeing that in the 80s right now? Yeah, I, that seems too get high. out of here. Name name no. value will will drive his his dress. Somebody will see. Oh, Gronk's back. He, he had a year off. He he slimmed down. Which breaking news for a tight end? You don't want to slim down. So I I just I'm with Jamino. I don't see any value here either. Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy I like. I think he'll get overdrafted as well. I'm kind of off the Ronald Jones bandwagon. We already talked about the receivers. Brady, Gronk will go just because of their name. So I'm in the same boat. I'm going to be fearful that there'll be some Tampa Bay teams out there that I'm going to go against. But sometimes you got to – not sometimes. You have to take stands. And I'm with Jamino here. I have zero interest. Unless these guys fall, you're in the third round and Evans, Godwin are sitting there. Different story. Everyone has – value at the right price but at ADP where they're going now zero interest in any Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm failing as a host right now I'm supposed to my job is to get you guys to fight and you keep agreeing so we're only uh, one topic in huh? we'll get there we'll square off I'm sure <laughs> uh, ADP for Gronk is 83 uh, we see Hunter Henry at 66 Ingram at 63 uh, Austin Hooper you guys were Austin Hooper at 86 over uh, Gronkowski a- absolutely love Austin Hooper this year meet him here we go I very much dislike Austin Hooper this year. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 Thank you. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see a lot of upside here for, uh, for this Browns offense uh, at the tight end position when you've got Njoku there as well. I mean, I, in general, I'm, I'm fairly high on the Browns, but I just think that 
Hooper is going to see a decline from what we saw from him last season. He's a good player. It's not, I have nothing against him as a player. I just think the situation isn't quite perfect for him at that cost. And it's really just an at-cost situation, Beer. Beer retort? I mean, I'm, I get that. And it, he's one of those guys, you, you like him, you hate him. You know? And I think the landing spot really has a lot to do with that. We saw flashes in Atlanta. Love Hayden Hurst stepping in uh, in that Atlanta offense, by the way. But I just think this offense is really going to be a lot better. Beckham's healthy. Uh, another year for Baker, new coaching staff. We'll see. Sometimes that can throw a wrench into things, but I'm expecting this offense to be much better. Nick Chubb opening things up and the touchdown opportunities will be there. And at tight end, when you wait, I'm looking for touchdowns. And, and they're tough to predict. I know that. One of the few things that are not sticky in our game is touchdowns. But with that offense being improved, I think Austin Hooper, a candidate to score seven, eight touchdowns. So depending on where he goes, I'd much rather have him than Gronk. Now, some of those other names you said – I'd rather have Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, guys like that over Austin Hooper or wait for a guy like Hayden Hurst. But uh, comparing Austin Hooper and Gronk, for me, it's Austin Hooper, no doubt. Hayden Hurst currently 108. You like that spot? I do. And I don't mind avoiding this whole group of tight ends, to be honest with you. If you don't get one of the studs, the Kittles, Kelsey's, then you wait. You grab a guy like Hayden Hurst. You grab a guy like uh, you know some of the other later guys. Gusecki? Yes, I was, that's the guy I was just trying to think. I kept thinking Jamino. I had G in my head. Like, Jamino <laughs> don't play for the Dolphins. Yes, Gasecki we saw really take take a step forward, playing a lot of snaps out of the slot there for Miami. So those are two guys I'm perfectly fine waiting on if you don't get one of the studs and just avoiding this this Gronk and Hooper and, and avoiding that whole tier, to be honest. Gasecki's at 120 as far as his ADP. Uh, Fant, 121. Goddard, 125. Hawkinson, 129. 139 for John, Johnny Smith. Any of, those guys, any of those guys doing anything for you, Jamino? I mean, you mentioned the guys that I'm targeting. Hurst and Gusecki, I have them both marked as values on the RG best ball rankings right now. Uh, once you start getting past that, I have a couple of guys I'm interested in. Uh, none of those guys are really getting me, like, all that excited. If I'm trying to have my perfect track, I, I really do want to have, you know, one of those guys there in the round 10 to 12 range, including Gusecki and Hurst. The thought on Hurst, Jamino, is that, like, last year, of course, he was in Baltimore and it was pretty cluttered as far as the tight ends – is the assumption that he's just going to all of a sudden just step in and play the Hooper role? Pretty much. And then you've got all the missing targets from that team, you know, Hooper being one of the primary uh, people that's going to be vacating those targets, but also no Devonta Freeman in the mix there. No Muhammad Sanu. Uh, you've got Julio Jones another year uh, into his career. And of course, everyone loves Calvin Ridley uh, for his potential breakout season impending but I think Hurst is a guy who just didn't really quite frankly get quite the opportunity we thought he might as a high pick for the Baltimore Ravens in the past the athleticism's there for him he sort of fits the mold as a pass catching tight end Uh, he looks to me like a guy with enough size and speed to have sort of a big receiving tight end season and I am looking for him to do that with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Uh, More about Tampa you were talking to me about uh, you know Vaughn coming in and possibly taking over that running back role uh, 79th, uh, that's his ADP. Is that about right? Is that too high, too low for you? Seems a little high. I, I, I'm probably higher on him than most. And even at that number, I, I, it makes me feel a little bit uneasy because we, we just don't know. And so, a lot of times I want to take advantage of uncertainty. You know, that's where you can get some value when people are uncertain of situations. Sometimes they just push it off and say, you know, I, I, I don't want anything to do with this. So it's really going to see, you know, get some preseason and see how these snaps look. Is it going to be a true split? But I think they brought this guy in for a reason, you know, and I hear comparisons. He was drafted in the third round by Bruce Arians. Another running back was drafted in the third round by Bruce Arians named David Johnson. We need to pump the brakes on anyone saying that. I mean, David Johnson was one of the best pass catching running backs we have seen enter the draft in the last decade. Keyshawn Vaughn is not that he is decent in the passing game, but what he is, he is very good at pass protection. And you know, Tom Brady, not the most mobile quarterback. So he can play that, James White type level. I feel more, more, more apt to make that comparison than I am uh, to a David Johnson comparison. So intrigued by Keyshawn Vaughn, but that price still seems a, a little bit too, a little bit too rich for me. I still think Jones is going to be involved one way or the other. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Vaughn at seventy nine as far as ADP, and Jones currently at ninety three, and that also spells like you know people love the unknown, they love the mystery. We we all want what's behind door number two. We're not just happy with like the, the China set. <laughs> we put a no. We want we want to upgrade somehow, and sometimes you get the barn. I don't. know, I'm getting. Why am I doing this prices right analogy? No, let's make a deal. What's going on There's here? A bunch, a bunch of old men here. We of course <laughs> we're going to have prices right analogies. 
Jimmy, do you have a thought? Of, I know you don't like to stamp a team. You made it pretty clear for the most part. Uh, but if you have to pick one of the two, Vaughn at 79 or Jones at 93? I mean, I actually think at this point I would take Jones at 93. But I, like I said, I'm not really taking either one of these guys. But if I had to take one of the two, it would be Jones at 93. I just think that you're going to see Ogunbowale, yeah, Ogunbowale mixed in here. You're probably going to see a back picked up off the street someplace. They were talking about Devonta Freeman. If he was cheap enough, I don't think they'll probably get him. But, I mean, they're not clearly not satisfied with the guys they have, and I just don't see Keyshawn Vaughn being a game-changer for best ball season number one. You guys got anything else as far as Tampa, or should I move on? Ready to move on, Dio. All right, Denver Broncos. We got Judge Judy uh, bringing in Jerry Judy, of course, as wide receiver to pair with Cortland Sutton. Uh, Drew Locke is still the quarterback. Uh, does that subdue the upside of one Jerry Judy for you, Jamito? Yeah, oh, definitely. But, actually, it's really less about Locke subduing his upside and more about me sort of being a truther for Cortland Sutton, truther for Noah Fant, truther for Melvin Gordon, quite frankly. I look at this offense, you know, Locke, he had some issues as a player that he needs to correct. He doesn't, did not deal with pressure all that well last season, but he wasn't necessarily panicked or unable to deal with it. He just has some things he could improve on. Uh, He, you know, he looked like a player late in the season that could, actually operated in NFL offense when in the preseason it didn't look that way. It looked like he was going to be a complete mess. Uh, he wasn't great, but he looks like he had, you know, some upside. He was just a rookie. So I want to give him a little bit of a pass and see what he can do in year number two. He's absolutely loaded with weapons, as you talked about. And as I just mentioned, some of the names you mentioned, Judy, uh, they have Philip Lindsay still, you know, they've definitely got uh, some wide receivers like Hamler, who they drafted, who can do some things out there. So as an offense, there's really no excuses for Locke to not have a productive season if he can operate it well. The question is, you know, will he do it? For my money, of all of these guys, I'm definitely fading Judy. It's a it's a COVID offseason where they're not going to have the same opportunity to integrate as a rookie as you might see in other situations. He's, you know, he's he comes with high ratings. A lot of people are really high on him, and I get that. But I, you know, with Sutton and Fant and all these other guys in tow, you know, I would rather just pay for the security of Gordon, who's going to have that goal line role in all estimation. You know, we've already seen Gordon operate in a backfield by committee and be successful for fantasy. So I'm interested the most in Gordon of any of these guys. But, you know, I'm not necessarily putting Locke in the grave just yet. Yeah. Is that a general take you have? I didn't think of that, but it makes sense as far as rookies and how camps might be. uh, Some players will will be behind and obviously the rookies need to adapt quicker than most. It is. And and it's not not going to take it to an extreme. Like, I do think we're going to have a somewhat normal off season. It won't be, it, nothing's normal right now, but I think that they'll probably have the opportunity to at least get a similar number of mental and physical reps. They might not be the same kind of reps or the same quality of reps, but it's, it's just a matter of you know, principle that wide receivers have a tough enough go getting in the league and being successful year one as it stands. And now you're asking to do it and circumvent a lot of great talents above him. I just, I don't want to bet on that. Beer, anything you want to add, feel free. But the, otherwise, just get, open it up. Give me your general thoughts as far as the Broncos' offense. Well, you're all for two here, Dino, because I agree with Jamito 100% here. You know, wide receivers <laughs> coming into the league, you know, it, it takes them long enough to assimilate. Now they don't get uh, the reps necessary. We'll see. Maybe they do get the reps. But even if so, it takes more time. A rookie running back can come in and make an instant impact. It's an easier position to transmit to transfer into the NFL as a running back out of college, and it is wide receiver. So you take that away, then you go and you look at this offense, and I agree, Cortland Sutton now going into – broke out last season, going into his third year. I really expect him to take another step here. But I do worry about Drew Locke. You know, a lot of people, he's he's the next guy. He's the guy I want in the late rounds. We're talking about a guy that five starts through seven touchdowns, you know, barely crossed 200 yards a game, and over his last three starts through combined – two touchdowns. So when everyone's uh, crowning Drew Locke as that late round guy, and this offense is going to be so good because of the pieces they brought in, I agree. I think it's Melvin Gordon I want. I worry about Noah Fant getting enough opportunity in this offense. I worry tremendously about Drew Locke being good. Jerry Judy, I love the player. One of the best route runners coming out of this draft, and I think eventually he's going to be that alpha dog there. I think he can pass up Sutton, but for now, it's Sutton for me. It's Melvin Gordon. Not interested in Drew Locke, not interested in Jerry Judy in best ball, and Noah Fant is a pass for me as well. Give me the snap count percent for Gordon with Lindsey lurking, obviously. I, what do you think? I think I, they paid him some pretty good money, so it would surprise me if it wasn't at least a 70-30 split. Jimmy No confirmed deny? 62% of carries, but 80% of carries were accounts near the goal. 
Yeah, that, that's a good call. I, I like that. And Freeman is just basically nothing. Somebody's got to get hurt for Freeman to be a thing. He'll barely think he's, a, think he's a trade candidate, if anything. Uh, you know, Gordon uh, Sutton is what I'm looking at the ADP, and it seems like a, a really good spot. I think we all agree, and you guys have done more research on this than I have. But uh, where are we? I'm, I'm pulling it up right now, guys. I'm doing it on the fly. I think it's like 50 something or late 40s. Yeah, you see, it's generally a fourth, fifth round pick on Sutton. Some people will grab him, you know, late third, early fourth. But to me, it makes sense when you go heavy running back early. This is one of the targets for me. Uh, this is a guy I expect to continue on the upward trend, even with my concerns for Drew Locke. These two have worked together already. This is the alpha dog of this offense. So if you can grab him fourth, fifth round as your wide receiver two, better yet, if he's your wide receiver three, you're sitting pretty. Jamino, I like all these guys in this area. We have Sutton at 49. Keenan Allen at 46 seems probably a little bit low. Ridley, you talk about at 39. Thielen at 36. Juju at 34. We'll get to him soon enough. Uh, you know, is, is this where we're picking receivers? Obviously, you want the other guys, but, you know, they cost you higher picks. Is this a good spot for receivers? Yeah, except for I have a couple of golden sons that I'm picking before I'm taking Cortland Sutton this year. You know, I'm going to take Terry McLaurin before I take Sutton. Ooh. I may even have a hot take later that we'll talk about of a guy that I'll take before Cortland Sutton that I don't think a lot of people are doing right now. Well, for, okay, Ter- sell me on the scary Terry. So you look at the Washington office. Look, no one likes Dwayne Haskins, but we're fans <laughs> so nice guy. Everyone likes opportunity. And you look at how this Redskins offense is structured. You're looking at a player who is just going to have a wide receiver one type of target share pretty much every single week. And we saw last year in his rookie season, he was able to be productive even with the likes of Haskins at quarterback. Haskins has to improve some from what we've seen already. And it wasn't like this guy was touted as like some terrible quarterback coming out. So I do think that he can go from really scary to possibly good enough to make Terry McLaurin productive in year number two. And of course, quite frankly, the guy can bust explosive plays. So if we're playing best ball, you know, I'm interested in having, you know, that at least that potential as a floor. You mentioned there's another guy. Is he in one of the teams we're, talk- we're going to talk about later? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh I, I wanna... yes. <laughs> you, you made the categories, I think. So there's a reason why maybe you want to talk about one guy specifically. Uh, so I'm looking at the, as far as Gordon 43, I'm eyeballing it. We're, we're looking at maybe like the 17th running back or so. Uh, Jamino, is that about right for you? Is that good value at 43? It feels fairly safe. Not sexy. You're telling me Gordon's 43 overall right now? That's his ADP. Oh, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take him long before that. I mean, I, I mean, I would. I don't. I don't have to. I guess, but I, I, I would. I mean, he's a guy I'm comfortable with as my second running back. Uh, you can probably get him as your third running back if that's how ladies going. Here, you've been drafting uh, in real time. So is that is that an accurate number, 43, give or take? Jamino seemed kind of surprised. Uh, he's usually about fourth round from what I've seen. He did slip into the fifth round in some of my drafts, and that's where I'm ready to gobble him up as well. I, I don't know that I want to reach into the early third. I think mid to late uh, is where I'm kind of targeting him. But fourth, fifth round, it, it, it's pretty easy pick. You, you load up early on that stud running back. Maybe you come back, draft another running back or two receivers, land him as your second or third running back. I, I think it's phenomenal. People are writing him off too early. You know, he's old. He's this, he's that. Well, you have to transfer something. You know, sometimes a lot of people carry the season long, the dynasty mindset in the best ball. You got to separate that. What's he going to do for me this season? That's all I'm worried about. And the touchdowns will be there. You know, I, I kind of poo-pooed on this offense and drew lock a little bit, but they're going to be improved. And Melvin Gordon's going to be a big part of that, catching the ball and scoring those touchdowns. So fourth round, mid to late third is where I'm looking at Melvin Gordon. Yeah, it's funny you say he's old and he feels a little bit old. He's only 27. Like that's Yeah, but you know, a running back, that's like I 40. I mean, <laughs> you know, he he doesn't have a whole lot left. I mean, they gave him a two-year deal. That's probably uh, his shelf life. But, again, best ball worried about this season. I think he'd be very productive. Would surprise me if he didn't approach double-digit touchdowns this season. Frank Gore was 27 like 17 years ago. So tell it to Frank Gore. That guy's a, that guy's a one-of-a-kind, man, a gem. He's amazing. Uh, in this same br- uh, group here, Jamino, uh, Gordon's 43, Jonathan Taylor's 42, Gurley's 38, 25-year-old Todd Gurley, by the way, another guy that people think is super old. Uh, is your favorite amongst a bunch, Gordon? Yeah, here's a hot take for perspective, Dean. Gordon is my running back number 12. I had oh. him ranked very, very highly this season. I, I don't necessarily think that the raw projection is all that great. But when you talk about the kind of strategy I want to deploy in best ball, that's why I've got his ranking there. I've got him just a little bit ahead of Austin Eckler, who I have some concerns about that Chargers offense. 
I have him a couple of slots ahead of Todd Gurley. I have him ahead of Aaron Jones. So those are guys that a lot of people probably have ahead of Gordon that I am really, really sort of taking a chance and, 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 you know, laying it on the line that I really do think that this Denver offense with their, with their defense and the way that they want to play is going to rely on their backs and specifically Gordon. Gary, you want to take umbrage with any of that? Just, I like Gurley. Uh, and I know a lot of people, you know, not, not on the Gurley wagon, they're, they're writing them off. But, uh, you know, when you look at this from the Atlanta point of view, and it's this one thing a lot of people don't bring up is are they going to be cautious with him and limit him? They signed him to a one-year deal. What mm-hmm. do they have to lose with just let's let it rip with Todd Gurley? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But let's unleash him, see what he's got. I know the knees are bad. I understand all that. We saw it in the Super Bowl. We saw it over the last two seasons with the Rams. But it's a one-year deal, $5 million. If it doesn't work, so what? We toss him aside. We find the next running back. So I think there's a lot of upside here. We, we talked about that offense with Hooper. You got receivers galore. Matt Ryan and captaining that offense. I think Todd Gurley can be good in the passing game, and I think he's going to be another guy. A lot of touchdown opportunities. That defense is not going to be good. They're going to score a lot of points, and he's going to be a big, big part of that. So I have Gurley ahead of Gordon. I don't take umbrage with the other ones. Austin Eckler, to me, is a name a lot of people are jumping to. I wish we were talking about that offense because it's not Phillip Rivers throwing the ball 7,000 times the running backs. It's Tyrod Taylor, maybe Justin Herbert. So – Austin Eckler will take a hit there. Uh, so Gurley over Gordon, but uh, I agree, Gordon over Eckler. Is that Gurley's backfield like seventy five percent there versus Ito? Is that a, is that a fair number? I, I I expect him to be the. I don't. They're going to work some guys into me, of course, but seventy uh, percent would, would, would seems low to me. I, I think they're going to unleash him and see. And maybe people don't agree with that. That's why this show is called Hot Takes. I expect them to just let it rip with Todd Gurley this season. Uh, we Fant is the tight end here for Denver. He's 121. We talked about Gusecki before, 120. Who do you want, Beer? You want uh, Gusecki or you want Fant? Gusecki. I, I, I love Noah Fant, the prospect, but uh, they bring in Albert O, who's buddies with Drew Locke, and I don't expect him to make a year one impact. Tight ends can take two, three years. But we talk about the additions of Judy, Hamler. You know, the, the, the targets get split among so many guys, Lindsey, Gordon. Where are the targets coming for Noah Fant? Where Gasecki, we see the ascension. You know, he looked really good at the end of last season. I expect them to start the season with Fitzpatrick. They don't have a lot of weaponry outside of Parker and Williams, who I like a lot. Gasecki's the other guy there. So uh, Gasecki easily for me over Fant. I, I'm, I like Noah Fant, the player, but a guy that's way down my list at tight end this year. Yeah, Tamino, same question for you, but keep in mind, I don't know if you saw the video on the, on the Twitter and the interwebs, uh, Kaseki threw a pass to himself. That was pretty impressive. Did you have to catch that? Didn't catch it, but it's Kaseki all day for me here. I just, I just really can't get behind Fant when it comes to the best ball format. When I see all, you know, all the potential dangers that lurk for his production on a week to week basis. I mean, he's certainly of the two guys. I think Fant can produce bigger plays. But for now, I'm looking at Kaseki in that offense and his red zone role. Uh, assuming we get a bunch of Fitzpatrick, especially, I like Kaseki more. Uh, two rookies. Uh, Lamb is 113 as far as ADP, uh, and we have Judy at 112. So back-to-back. You got Lamb or you got Judy. I know, Jimmy, you, know, you don't like rookies generally uh, as is, but you got to pick one. Who do you got? It's Lamb. It's not even close. Beer? Uh, Lamb, easy. I mean, Dallas uh, was a very explosive offense, led the league in, in yards per play last season. I expect them to continue that upward trend. So, Give me the guy in the offense we know is going to score 30 points a game who arguably could come in and be their best receiver. So there's a hot take for you right there. Receivers struggle early, but CeeDee Lamb, and maybe it's not this season, maybe it's down the road, but I expect him to come in and make an impact, playing mainly out of the slot there for that Dallas offense. So Lamb, to me, slam dunk, no doubt, over Judy. So why are why is one one twelve? What why is Judy one twelve and Land one thirteen? No one thirteen to me. Though. Is this is this data like today today or is this like the last month compiled or what? Or yeah, I went back have, to the go ahead. Went back to the beginning of May, so we're talking about the last month or so is where this ADP data is coming from. And you know I can't answer that question. I think a lot of people are very excited about Judy, and I and I don't blame them for being excited about Judy. But I'm excited about the guy who player profiler comps to Jerry Rice playing in that Dallas offense. You know, I'm, I'm excited about what you, you know, when you take a look at what the kind of player he is, I think he fits in very well with that group. And I just, the rich get richer with Lamb. That's all I have to say. And, and I really want to be a part of a player whom I thought 
probably would have ended up being a guy we loved anyway. Now he's playing with so much talent around him. I, I just think it gives him a, a, a really good chance in the case of injury, especially to have a season that people aren't expecting. So I would call him an upside play. All right, let's move on to the Chiefs. Let's see if you guys have anything else to say as far as Denver. Three, two, one. The Kansas oh. City Chiefs, <laughs> the defending champions, of course, they went ahead and they added Clyde Edwards Hilaire, CEH protocol. I'm sure why not? Uh, the rich get richer. This offense looks really, really good. Uh, well, I guess let's start with CEH, Jamino. Uh, you know, are we in? Are we out? Is he overhyped at this point? Because now he's what in the mid 20s as far as when he's being drafted? Yeah, and this this one hurts because you look at Clyde Edwards Hilaire and he, you know, he's a high productive college athlete, burst out, out the out the butt. You know, he's he's got receiving skills. He's with Patrick Mahomes, number one uh passing expected points last year, number two in yards for play, Super Bowl championship, uh all the pieces sort of align as far as his skill set in that offense. Uh you look at prominent analysts picking him you know, top two rounds. You look at, you know, one guy even read, he said he's going to be a top five PPR back. You know, the rave reviews are just flowing on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The problem that I just have here, you know, with getting comps to Brian Westbrook and being mentored by Darren Sproles, you know, all of these things are probably true for the player long-term. He's probably just going to be a fantasy stud for years and years to come if he's going to be playing in this offense long-term. But here comes the butt, Dean. You have, to, you have to pay like a second round tag for him at this point in time. Yeah. I can understand the excitement over it. And I am fully prepared to be wrong about this, but with Damian Williams still lurking there, the guy was nearly the Super Bowl MVP himself, uh, you know, 26 overall is too much for me to pay when you can get Damian Williams two, three, four la- rounds later. And the guy is probably going to have pretty much the exact same role he had last year throughout the course of the regular season. For my running back number three or running back number four, especially my running back number four, I'm very much interested in Williams. And I'm, for this reason, probably going to hold off on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire more than the average person. Williams has fallen all the way back to 73 for what it's worth as far as ADP, which if I'm hearing you correctly, that seems a little, you think that's too high. Like you think it's, he should be stats up before that. I think you can. You know, I'm not going to blame anyone for being low on Damian Williams when you see the kind of upside that Edward Hilaire does have. He's just a super talented player in a super talented offense. And that just, you know, I don't need to spell that out why this could be a potentially explosive situation, but they've got a lot of weapons there. They got a lot of mouths to feed. And I do like Damian Williams. I, I just don't think they're just going to dismiss him outright, especially if they're talking about getting mentored by Darren Sproles. Like, would you pay a second round pick for Darren Sproles? I don't think that's what you're going to get from him, but I think, I mean, that's, you know, to me, it sounds like they're going the route of this. This guy is going to do a lot of the out of the backfield type stuff, which is probably okay for best ball, but not a second round price. Uh, by the way, I pulled up the player profiler for uh, CEH, Hilaire, Chase Edmonds. Not as sexy as Jerry Rice. Ouch. <laughs> uh, Beer, you've been doing a lot of drafting. Have you been getting Hilaire or just uh, it's just too hard because he's just costing too much? It, I mean, I've seen him go in the first round. You know, Jermino said second round is crazy. I've seen him go in the first round. And, and, and Come on, people. What are, what are we doing? I, I like the player. You want to get any piece of this offense that you can get, but at a first, second round price, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be holding the cards in the first couple of weeks. This is not going to be all systems go. CEH is a guy right off the bat, and I'm paying off that second round price tag. So four or five weeks in, you're going to be going, well, what's happening here? You can't afford a miss like that in the second round of your draft. So he's just going too high. You have to be price sensitive. And why would they bring him in and just unleash him when they can utilize both backs, keep both guys fresh, make another run at the Super Bowl, not just give one guy all the work and sit down the guy that's been productive for us. And, and injuries aside, we know Damian Williams is an injury factor. Something happens, maybe that changes. But I don't see Clyde just coming in and taking over this entire backfield. So to pay a second-round price on him, and I have literally seen that first round, is absolutely ludicrous in my opinion. If he falls, you're in a draft with some, some sharp people, and he's in – He's there in the fourth round. Okay, you get a piece of this offense, but I would much rather take the cheaper piece, wait on Damian Williams, who I think will continue to fall as the news comes out. You're going to see Clyde make a play in preseason. Everyone's going to get excited and draft him even higher, and all that that's going to do is push Damian Williams down. I will gladly scoop up that value in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. 
Yeah, this feels like a situation in Kansas City like we had earlier with Tampa where it's a lot of players you may like, but, you know, uh, good players cost good value. And you're not going to – it's hard to sneak up on anybody on anybody with this Kansas City, you know, defending Super Bowl champions, one of the most fun offenses to watch. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know what you guys are going to say, but I have to ask about Mahomes. Currently the ADP is 25, and then, like you said, sharp guys, generally speaking, in best ball do not draft a quarterback early. Jamino, there's no chance you're taking Mahomes in the second or third round, right? That's actually not true. And here's, oh. here's the angle for it. If I'm going to play one of these big best ball tournaments that I expect to happen in the league right now, and Patrick Mahomes is the QB1, and he is by far for me the QB1. Interesting, like, because L. Jackson is three spots ahead. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, enough. Yeah, I mean, Lamar ADP Jackson. I'm talking fantastic. about, yeah. I just love Mahomes' potential to be a guy who can throw just a massive, massive touchdown total and throw for 5,000-plus yards and, and do it with relative ease. I mean, this guy – I mean, I don't, I don't have to overexplain this. Mahomes is incredible. So if you're looking for, like, a super high upside team and you want to try to flip the script a little bit, I can see peeling off a couple of teams where you want to take the quarterback or the tight end, Kelsey, early on and try to just you know go for the gusto and, and hit late on some kind of a bizarre running back or hit late on some kind of a bizarre – tight end or, or wide receiver. But the, at, the end, at the end of the day, you know, Mahomes can do things that could break a league any given year. So I think his range of outcomes includes league breaker. And that's why I don't want to be completely without him all season long. All right, beer. I'll stay on my lane. I won't give any more advice. I thought I read that from sharp people. Maybe you're, that's a hot take. I don't really know as far as uh, spending up early on a quarterback uh, beer, your thoughts as far as spending a second or third round pick on Mahomes, And if you had to pick one Mahomes or Jackson, you think it's clear or it's kind of a coin toss? It's Mahomes for me as well. I mean, he, he gives you the combination of, of an explosive offense, plus he gives you a little bit of running upside. You know, Lamar, anything can happen, and I, I don't see him repeating that historic season, especially uh, the ridiculous touchdown passes. I mean, almost 9% uh, touchdown rate. So I don't think you're going to see that again from him. I think the numbers are going to come down, and I see Mahomes' numbers staying where they were or even going up. So Mahomes for me, and generally, no, I don't take a quarterback early, but – I agree. In some of these bigger contests, we're going to talk about stacking. That's a perfect team where, yeah, you got to invest early, but uh, imagine starting the draft, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes and figure the rest out. So in a, in a big contest like that, I'm more apt to do something like that. If a standard 10, 12 team draft, I'm generally waiting on quarterback. And the one guy on this team, I think is going to be a tremendous value uh, is uh, I lost the name here. Hardman? But, uh, what? Is it Hardman or is it Watkins? Yeah, McCall Hardman. Yes, it's just that deep threat ability. They're already talking about maybe not using him in special teams. So I, I expect those big plays to continue. And best ball is the perfect spot for a guy like McCall Hardman. Season-long DFS, again, you're always going to wonder, is this the week to start him? Best ball, I don't have to worry about that. Just capture and get a piece of this offense any way you can. On most of your teams, you're going to want some sort of Kansas City stake. And a lot of teams, you're not drafting these guys in the first three rounds. You're not getting any Chiefs. McCole Hardman's a way to grab some exposure later in your drafts and really capture that upside in round eight, nine, or ten, wherever you may get him. Yeah, we're seeing Hardman at 114. Uh, Jamino, I don't mean to ignore. It's probably a poor job by me. Like Hill and Kelsey are 10 and 13. They're obviously super good. Uh, the idea of building around Kelsey, a tight end from the top, is that something you would uh, do as far as building your best ball team? It, it's not usually, like I said, if, you know, maybe I'll peel off a couple of teams for a Kelsey or a Mahomes team up top. But generally speaking, no, I'm not going to spend that kind of draft capital on the tight end. And I do understand the logic behind trying to do it. It's just not something that I – I think I'm going to win more times if I build that RB core than if I try to go the tight end route. Yeah. Uh, Beer, do you have a thought as far as Hill and Kelsey? Are these guys landing on your teams or just they're just kind of – maybe a little bit early or I guess it depends on your draft spot as well too. And who's gone ahead of you. Are you seeking them out? If they land to you, so be it. I really think it's draft spot dependent. You know, if you land early in the first, you're likely going running back or you should be. So, you know, end of second, those guys are probably gone. So if, if a Kittle Kelsey kind of falls to me uh, in that mid late second, early third, then maybe I'm looking at it, but I'm more kind of like the same as, as my quarterback philosophy tight ends. I want to grab late. I, I just don't think it's, it's that important. Sure. You get a stud, you can anchor your lineups with a Kittle or Kelsey. There's formats out there, tight end premium sites where that would make a lot more sense, FFPC, things like that, maybe a a deeper roster. Some of those are 28-person rosters. So in that sense, maybe I want to go tight end early. But for the most part, I'm waiting on tight end as well. Anything else as far as Kansas City? We're moving on to Pittsburgh. On to Pittsburgh. Come on, man. 
On the Pittsburgh, Big Ben is back. No more Mason Rudolph. No more Devlin Hodges. Uh, we got Juju, who looks absolutely ripped. Connor has got these ridiculous shoulders. Uh, I'll let you open this uh, this one up here, Jimena. Who's uh, you know, the addition, I guess you can call it addition, of Roethlisberger being back. How much more appealing does that make these, uh, you know, Pittsburgh pieces as far as the scope position? It's my favorite stack, I think. It's one of my favorite stacks for sure. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Ben Roethlisberger, 2018. 675 attempts, 84 deep balls, 94 of them in the red zone, 5,100 yards passing, and 34 touchdowns. Dean, that is what's called a lot of fantasy points. Then you fast forward to 2019 and you get Mason Rudolph, Devlin Hodges, proceeding to put on one of the most horrific quarterback scenes we have seen in recent <laughs> memory. It was absolutely unbearable. Juju plummets from 166 targets to 72 in 12 games. Connor plummets from 215 carries down to 116. Injuries devastated the team. They just had no chance. Their defense was good, ranked third in yards per play, fifth in passing expected points. Uh, This was a team basically that was a quarterback short of actually being pretty good. And now you're going to get Roethlisberger back. So assuming that father time doesn't, hasn't done him too much damage. We're talking about, you know, Ben, Connor, Juju, as mentioned, turning to their old form, plus Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, Vance McDonald. James Washington has a lot of upside, despite the fact that he's young and volatile. He's just 24, though. They drafted Chase Claypool, who's got a lot of speed and can get down the field. They have the seventh easiest schedule per Vegas odds, per sharp football stats, and the easiest efficiency of defense as far as all their scheduled opponents are concerned. So, like I said, if – Ben Roethlisberger can play at like 85, 90% of what he was in 2018. This is a team that has a lot of upside. And you look at the price points, Dean, they are cheap across the board. Juju is just, you know, he's, he's awesome this year as a pick. I, I, I love Juju, but he's the most expensive of that crew. I think James Conner could be the best overall value aside from Roethlisberger. I think Roethlisberger, where you're getting him, I mean, I, I don't want to mention quarterback because he's a late round quarterback and they're always values, but you know, the best, you know, pricey guy that's a value, I think, is Connor. And then, of course, Roethlisberger is just, you know, he's in, like, the double-digit rounds. I think he's a fantastic best ball stack option. I'll run him off. Juju is currently 34 as, as far as his ADP. <clears throat> Connor, 55, that seems a little bit too – that seems too generous. Or not too, that just seems too, like, he should be gone by then. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I know a lot of people are high on him, taking the next step going forward, 96. Uh, Roethlisberger, quarterback 17, 143 overall as far as the ADP. You mentioned Ebron at 160, Washington 188. Your favorite Steeler beer when you consider when you can get them. I take a look. Juju Smith-Schuster is the most underrated player in fantasy right now. I, I have no doubt that this guy can be a top three to five wide receiver in this league. We've already seen it. So you, you get his quarterback back. You surround him with a bunch of weapons where he can be the guy. And I don't want to hear this. Uh, Antonio Brown was there. That's the only reason Juju was good. You look at any of the metrics, this guy's breakout age. Anything that we want to talk about, this guy is a stud. He's younger than some of these receivers that they've drafted recently. So uh, the arrow is still pointing up on on Juju Smith-Schuster. So I have no issue taking him early as the second round, which nobody's going to agree with. That's why, again, we're here talking. I think he's a tremendous value. I think Connor, a great value as well. I expect him to be the guy. If he can stay healthy, that's your concern. But not a lot of competition there. I know people like Anthony McFarlane. Decent player, not a guy that's going to come in. Benny Snell is more of just a grinder. I don't see him making a difference. And Jalen Samuels, a guy they're not even sure is going to make the roster. So Juju, uh, Connor, and Ben late in, late in the drafts, I think, are all values. The guy I worry about, I like Deontay Johnson, but that's a guy I think you're going to see scream up a lot of draft boards and get to yeah. that point where you're really paying for the hype on Deontay Johnson. Was good, was solid. I don't know that I want to pay the price. Maybe if you're drafting now, you get a decent price on him. By the time we get to August, he's going to be sitting in those middle rounds, and that makes me uncomfortable. So, Beer, Juju is 34 as far as ADP. I'm going to go to 33, 31, 30, 29. Uh, tell me when to stop, when you'd actually take this guy over Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, we got A.J. Brown at 33, Cup at 31, Moore at 30, Allen Robinson 29, Cooper 28, Beckham 27, Galladay 24, Evans 23, Godwin 19, no, you're in the you're in the range with Godwin Evans. I think that's where he belongs, and maybe you can make a case for Odell Beckham bouncing back. But I am really comfortable with this guy in the second round. So if he's his fourth round's ADP, remember you don't have to take him in the second round. Understand where the ADP lands. So as a third round pick, slam dunk on Juju. 
And is that what you're seeing when you're drafting right now is wide receiver 15? That just seems wrong. I've seen him fall to the fifth round. I mean, when okay. he's, I've gotten him in the fifth round of drafts. People, are just, they just write him off too quickly. It's a lot of what have you done for me lately. We know that. And last he's 23. Season, but last season did not go well, and that's all that sticks in people's minds is he burned me last season. He wasn't good. He's washed up. Antonio's – you'll hear all the excuses on Juju. But, uh, again, second round is where I would target him. Third round, a value. And if he falls fourth, fifth round, easy, easy smash on that button to draft him. All right, jump in here, Jamino. I would say he hey, probably – oh, go ahead. Put wide receiver number six in your pipe and smoke it. That's where I've got Juju right now. <laughs> oh. I'm just oh, – I'll take him over a lot of guys. Let's put Tampa better. guys. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, <laughs> I, do, I will say that the only, re, the only way I'm going to actually get him is if he falls to, like, the third round because I do want – I do usually prefer to start two running backs – so I'm never going to take him in the second round. I know I'm never going to draft him as high as I have him ranked, but I do feel that strongly about him that I'm fist pumping anytime he's going to fall to me in a range where I can draft him. You can get him on the turn though, right? If you're on the turn, you'll take you, a third round. Oh, absolutely. You don't have to take him in a second. That, that's the beauty of it. You're going to have guys that you're strong about. And Jamino, you know that. You just said wide receiver six. That doesn't mean I have to take him there. Uh, you can just target him at that turn or in the third round. Nobody's taking him in the second round. I will. I'll be happy about it, but you don't have to. That's the beauty of it. We got Connor currently at uh, running back 21 and 55 overall, right behind Le'Veon Bell at 54 and uh, Carson at 52, right in front of Singletary at 56 and Mostert, who we'll talk about soon enough, at 59. Jamino, is that about right, or do you think that's, uh, again, disrespect? Yeah, where are you seeing I have him behind Le'Veon Bell? That's that's not true. <laughs> hey, that, that's that's <laughs> way too low in my opinion. Button? I don't, I don't know what you're looking at, Dean. I, I'm seeing wide receiver 16 right now. That's what I've got on my screen. Connor I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm sorry. Running back 16. Yeah, uh, I've just hit the refresh button. <laughs> Should I restart the router as well, too? Uh, hold on. Oh, wait. You know what? Yeah. Okay, 16 overall. My apologies, but 55 as far as ADP. Did, did I say 21? My mistake. I don't know. You said Le'Veon Bell ahead of him. I almost fainted. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell is a running back 50, uh, 40, 22 and 54 overall, according to ADP. Oh, you're talking yeah, I'm ADP. It's I'm talking Connors. about Connor Dean. Oh, all right. <laughs> to me, it's Connor over that entire group. Uh, Carson, if, if we know he's healthy, sure. But otherwise, Le'Veon Bell does not belong in that conversation. We want to talk no, about the uh, – go, go ahead, Jamino. No, thank you on Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I don't. I, I that doesn't. Uh, we talk about running backs being toast, and maybe it's too early to say they're toast. Maybe on Bell's kind of toast, right? We, we, we he, say he will get drafted because people are going to be in the the fourth, fifth round. Like, holy, sh- Le'Veon Bell is still available, and it's name recognition only. That's the only reason somebody's going to take him and reach for him. He doesn't belong in the first eight rounds of a draft. All right, you got me self conscious here looking at these ADP now, uh, Jamino, because I'm, I must have said something wrong to before. I apologize. Uh, you guys got anything else as far as Pittsburgh? I know we mentioned Ebron's name in passing. We talked about this, uh, the secondary group of tight ends. Where is Ebron for you, Beer? Is he behind all those guys we talked about so far? Yeah, he'd be slightly below that that group. You know, you're, you're really shooting for upside with Ebron, which in a best ball, that's what we want. So, you know, it, probably a little bit below Fant, but I would still rather have a Hurst, a Gusecki. But he's an interesting late-round dart throw. We saw those touchdowns in Indianapolis. We know this offense loves to use their tight end, Big Ben has leaned on the tight end and put some good seasons on the board. I don't think Vance McDonald can stay healthy. So Ebron, I expect to be a pretty big part of this offense. So if you don't get the Hurst uh, Gasecki tier, I don't mind even waiting. You don't want Ebron as your first tight end, but you know, as a late round dart throw, I, I don't mind that one at all. This is your favorite stack, Jamino. I'm going to give you the last word on Pittsburgh. Look, if you're drafting in a best ball, especially a 12 team best ball where you don't need to have, the best team imaginable to get first place. One of the best teams to wait on if you're trying to create a little bit of correlation is the Steelers. You can get a guy like Ebron late. You mentioned you get Roethlisberger late. If you start out early with a guy like Connor or Smith-Schuster, it's a nice little way to get a very, very upswing-oriented offense at a very, very low draft price. And I think you can build high upside teams with the Steelers. That's what I'll say about that. Let's talk about the Niners, our last team we're going to focus on in this show uh, you know, Jamino, uh, he actually teased earlier in the show, there's a player he wanted to talk about. There's a player he absolutely loves. I'm fairly certain it's on Sam Fran. Is that, can you confirm that, Jamino? That is confirmed. 
beer. Yeah. What player? What player is is uh, Jamino ogling over? If it would be your best guess here. Uh, all right, I know he's he loves Jalen Hurd. I'm, I'm kidding. Debo Samuel's got to be his guy. You know it, baby. <laughs> Debo is getting it going for me. The 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 standing desk has to go up when we start talking <laughs> about Debo Samuel. Dean, give me the sales pitch. Look, we saw what he did in year number one. Uh, he's got the the skill set that Shanahan loves: the versatility, the ability to take handoffs on the reverses and the jet sweeps. He's got great hands. He's got the ability to run all the routes, line up at all the positions. He's got the ability to be a threat in the red zone. He's got the ability to bust off explosive plays. And for fantasy football, Dean, the thing that we like the most is where is the target competition? I'm, I'm looking around like Travolta in the GIF for, <laughs> uh, for Pulp Fiction. Where, 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 where's the competition it's for the those targets? Uh, we're talking about Trent Taylor could be lining up in the slot, Dean. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, you got Kittle, of course, who's a big-time player, but the backfield's crowded. Not a lot of those guys, you know, are out there running, uh, you know, short area routes. Uh, not a lot of those guys are out there getting high target volume. It, to me, I just see the opportunity for Debo as being at least what it was last year and then some, and that this is a player who was ascending throughout the course of the playoffs. I just love the opportunity for a player who's got the athleticism, who's got the skill set, who's got – the role, more, most importantly, the coaches love him, so they want to give him opportunity. The quarterback's fine, especially if this team has to throw it more. They, I mean, they probably don't want to throw it more, but what if they have to? I mean, the floor is whatever it was last year, and the ceiling is God only knows. Like, he could be one of these guys that you can draft in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, and you could be talking about a guy who leads your team in receiving. Love Debo. If you guys are premium members here at Roto Runners, you can read uh, Jamino's best ball rankings. I, I assume you did these rankings and I assume you wrote these blurbs because the little blurb here for, for Samuel says, wait around and smash the draft button, check so many boxes in only year two. He's a star. That This is this is your writing, I assume. Oh, he's a star. That is correct. Uh, 71 is current in ADP. Uh, what do you think, Beer? Are, are you sold? Were you already sold coming in? I was already sold. Love the talent. Uh, love the fit in the offense. I love everything Jamino said. I agree 100%. You know, the, the, the worry is it's a team that loves to run the ball. How many targets are going to be there? But this is also a guy that's not going to need 140, 150 targets to put big numbers on the board. Jet sweeps, all kinds of ways uh, they can utilize him as a chess piece. Just move him all over the board. Brandon Ayuk is going to be the other receiver, most likely. This is a, a rookie coming in that had one good year of college not a lot of tape on him. He's very explosive, but he's no Debo Samuel. So Kittle Samuel will be the focus of this offense. But what we're here to talk about is these running backs. That that's what we need to get into here. So hot take on these running backs. Let's get to all right. It. Give give them to me. Fire away. What do you have? Raheem Mostert is the most overrated player in, in all of all of fantasy. I mean, it's another what have you done for me lately? He looked good. I love Raheem Mostert. I love the story. I love the player. You watch him, he runs with an attitude. He'll run people over. Love the player, but we have to factor in cost. I am not paying this cost for Raheem Mostert. One, this is a team that's going to utilize multiple backs. We saw Tevin Coleman take away all that was supposed to be the Raheem Mostert game. No, it was a Tevin Coleman game. Jarek McKinnon coming back. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Jeff Wilson, a guy that we love, stealing our touchdowns week in and week out in Daily Fantasy. So to pay this price on Raheem Mostert with a backfield that's going to have two, three, potentially four guys contributing. Not only that, you're going to have Debo Samuel taking some carries as well. I, I just don't see it for Raheem Mostert. Will he have some nice weeks? Maybe. I'm not even sold on that. So most overrated player, maybe outside of Le'Veon Bell, who we brought up earlier, Raheem Mostert is an easy fade for me this season. All right, Jamino, confirm or deny? Dean, I mean, the guy did have 220 yards and four touchdowns in a playoff game. Am I reading that? Is that is well, my box score too, correct? So. Yeah, that's it. No, I'm One with, game. I, I, I'm, I'm with beer all the way. Less than a full season sample size of him being legit. We saw some of his workload eroded by Coleman late in the season, especially in the playoffs. We saw you know, any any guy where you have to mention Jeff Wilson Jr.'s name has any reason to care at all. Like I'm just like, how how good can this guy be? If we're talking about Jeff Wilson Jr. could possibly be on the field vulturing touchdowns from Jarek McKinnon's out there working out. It looks pretty good. Uh, they restructured his deal. He's going to be out there. You know, first probably some versatility snaps. They have a you know, below average schedule of defensive opponents this year. Uh, he's largely one-dimensional, only 22 targets last year for most. Or I understand his workload wasn't on the field all that often. But quite frankly, that's a reason not to like him is that, you know, the potential to not be on the field 
all that often. He's being drafted, I think, I 59th overall is the most recent number I pulled for him as far as his ADP. I mean, I'd rather pay for Debo, like I said, McLaurin, James Conner, Tyler Lockett, all guys you can get in that range. I'm just not going to go ahead and draft Raheem Mostert when I can have players that I like better. And here's a hot take, Dean. Are you ready? Yeah. I'd, I'd rather have 49ers running back, uh, you know, the former 49ers running back, Matt Breida, at his cost than Mostert this year. Would, would you agree with that, Beer? Absolutely. I'm, I'm not – Mostert will be at zero on my teams. Unless somehow he falls to the 10th round, which is not happening, he's just not – he's on my – he's a bust. Raheem Mostert is a bust. You want a hot take, there it is. He will not fulfill that draft cost. Yeah, I don't play a lot of best ball from a DFS perspective. I really did not like this San Francisco team last year. That they they seem to believe like running backs don't matter. They're super replaceable, and it's just they play whack a mole. Like one week it's this guy, one week it's that guy. And who really cares? Uh, the rookie, it's another rookie, Jamino. We're talking about Brandon Ayuk. Uh, is he worth a flyer? Definitely is. I think if you're talking about Debo not having a lot of target competition, you're not going to probably have same kind of upside with Ayuk. Uh, but it's the same story with him. The guy that they loved co- coming out, they were basically fist pumping the ability to, to actually get him in the draft. They didn't think they were going to get him after they drafted the defender first. But you know, this is a guy who, once again, like Debo's got the versatile skill set, so he can do a lot, and that's what they want in this offense. So I, I picture that leading to him getting on the field over Jalen Hurd. I mean, there's a lot to be said here in the preseason. You know, Hurd definitely was making noise last offseason, so it's not a foregone conclusion that Ayuk's going to be on the field you know, as a starting wide receiver. But I do think that will eventually be the case if it's not the case day one. And I think that as a player, he's got enough in the toolkit to actually be successful in this offense for what? How many do you need him for four weeks at his draft? How many weeks do you need him, Beer, for him to actually be meaningful in your best ball team? Two, three, four would be outstanding. So, I, you know, that that's the that's the selling point I know you because you can draft him late and big playability, no doubt, explosive. I just don't know that we're even going to get those two, three weeks. So, that's my worry. But as a late dart throw, why not? Beer, Kittle, he's between Kelsey and Andrews. Kelsey kind of in his own tier. Kittle too, not too far away. And then, of course, there's a drop down to Andrews and then Ertz as well. Uh, is Kittle just one of those guys, again, if he just sort of lands you in the early third, the mid-third or something like that, then you take him. It's not really somebody you seek out, or is he somebody you're seeking out, or somebody you're fading altogether? Not a target for me. I'm comfortable drafting. You, you got to be, if you're going to fade high-end guys, you have to like guys uh, either in the mid-rounds or the later rounds. And we brought up guys like Hirsch, Gusecki. I'm fine just throwing together a group two, three, four of those guys, depending on how many roster spots you have. You only really need one of them. So if Kittle falls, sure, it's not a target for me in a tight end premium. That obviously changes. You want to target him in the second round. Sometimes he'll go early second round in those formats. So that changes the game. But for the most part, if they fall to me, the value is there. I'll scoop them up. Not drastic targets for me on Kittle and Kelsey. Mino, Kittle? You do hate to see it, Dean, but I'm avoiding George Kittle this season for the most part. Uh, you know, he's such a tremendous athlete, such tremendous upside at the tight end position. But for many of the reasons Beer just said, plus the fact that just my general overall strategy doesn't really permit me to take a lot of tight ends early in any kind of a 12-team league, I'm just not going to be interested in pulling that trigger unless he falls deep into the draft, which is pretty much never going to happen. Is anyone in on Garoppolo? He kind of indifferent where we at as far as Jimmy G? I, I'm indifferent, if anything, probably out, actually. I'm, I'm not overly excited about his prospects. You know, if, if I'm comparing him to, say, Big Ben, who we just talked about, it's easily Ben for me. Give it the offense that's going to put the ball in the air. San Francisco, we know, wants to run the ball. Uh, kind of slow things down, depend on their defense and their running game. So just don't see spike weeks for Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe a floor play. I don't want a floor play here in best ball. You know? Yeah, you can do better in that area of the draft. I mean, I it's easy to make a stack at the 49ers. So, I mean, I guess you could get clever. But I, I'm probably not aiming to do that. When you talk about that area of the quarterback, you know, you can get Joe Burrow, who I think uh, is, a, is a better late-round quarterback. I, we talk about Roethlisberger. We, we – <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about a different guy in another show. I don't, I don't want to waste it on this one, but there are quite a few good quarterbacks that you can get late. Uh, I, you know, Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones aren't that expensive. You know, I, I mean, they're, you have to take them a little earlier than you would take Garoppolo, but I, I'm much more inclined to take a guy in round 10, 11, 12 that has actually some upside than wait for a Garoppolo who just really, you know, if he gets you three touchdowns, you're fist pumping. I got teams. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. But we're going we're gonna to save that for the next – how about that? Come on back for the next version. We'll talk some uh, 
some late round quarterback hot takes. That's called a tease beer. We made it work. Oh. Uh, that's the oh, I got. The I got the guy this year. <laughs> you, you have a guy for us. You want to hold it back though? You don't. Oh you yeah. Know, next so? episode, we're going to talk quarterback. I'm going to be mad if it's the same guy, but I have one too. <laughs> I, I feel like it's the hottest take, take in the universe. The way nobody's talking about him right now. But that's all right. We will you know, see. Okay. Okay, I'm you know I'm I'm gonna stay tuned. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the next show for sure. Maybe I'll be Gotta there. Come back. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that is the end of this show, of course. Do we want to end on a hot take? You guys have a hot take like uh, on layaway by chance or anything else you want to reiterate? Beer, I'll let you go first. Juju, most underrated player. Raheem Mostert, most overrated player. So just a little bit of recap for you guys. I, I think Mostert completely overrated. Le'Veon Bell overrated, uh, and we'll save those quarterback takes for next time. Appreciate you guys watching. Jamino, maybe there's a receiver out there you want to talk about? No, I got I got a better one. No Tampa Bay Buccaneers will appear on whatever the big tournament's winning roster is, whatever the big, you know, million dollar, whatever the dollar amount is, you know, best ball tournament. No Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe. And, hey, tell us in the comment section, like, give us some uh, topic suggestions for next time outside of, like, Who's this quarterback? Both these guys are hoarding. They'll, they'll let you guys know next show that the secret quarterback that's going to be ultra cheap and going to really pay off and going to win all the best ball money. With that, he was Jamino. He was Beer. I was Dean. This was Best Ball Hot Takes. We're out of here. Holler.